That's fine. Oh, I'd love to check that out. <clears throat> So much more intellectual. Pass around a bit. <laughs> so we're just uh, we're coming off the back of the 96, 1960s classic, The Apartment, uh, starring Jack Lemmon and uh, directed by Billy Wilder. Billy Wilder. Um, yeah. So uh, two out of the four of us has seen it. Fortunately, two out of the three of us will talk about it. Uh, two out of the three of us that have seen it will talk about it. Yeah, so I'm the only one fresh in mm. today. And that's the thing. I would love more fresh takes on this, but um, well, let me give my first fresh. Yeah, take. please, please, can we start with you? Give it it's your first time. I think the main thing to think about that film um, is just how much of a vibe it was. You know, there's a certain romance to a person sitting there at a desk punching away insignificant numbers into a machine and that being their whole purpose in life and then to 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 be promoted to a role where they seemingly do nothing and then promoted to another role where they seemingly do nothing so the concept of a of a world where you can be incredibly well respected incredibly wealthy um and do nothing um, whilst living in a black and white New York, um, is, is just a vibe for me. Um, and shows sort of the highlights of, of the free market capitalist foundations of our society and how far we slip from that. But no, in all honesty, um, I enjoyed the film. I mean, we'll go into it in detail, but just off the top. Off the top, I just wanted to say, I actually really struggled to, to find a perception other than Jack Lemmon's character. Mm. I think the film was definitely a two perspective film, obviously with Miss Quinley, what was her name? It's not Quinn Levitz, yeah, 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 the one you're talking about. Something like that. Quinn Levitz or something. And I, I really struggled to... I really struggled to identify with her character. And I think that's, that's a problem with myself rather than a problem with the film. Um, but I was certainly able to identify with the conflict. Not identify with as in I, I don't share any of the same downfalls as the main character, but I was able to identify his as downfalls. Mm-hmm. And uh, and perceive them, and um, I guess we'll go from there. Yeah, so um, it it was uh, Miss Kublik. Um but yeah, with Jack Lemmon's character, it was uh, just just the idea of the, you know, like the the junior putting in the work, doing everything he needs to, staying late, all those elements. But like, really, the subtext of what it was is that he was, you know allowing his apartment to be used by these executives in order to kind of um, just backdoor his way into, like, senior positions and senior roles. But it is reflective of that, like, we'll do anything necessary in order to get where he wants to go. Well, interesting here, uh, and this is something I'd just like to touch on, just 
not to cut you off, Sam. No, 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 no Sam. But to cut to yeah. touch on that point is the parallels between this film and Rosemary's Babies, for example. Mm. This is a film really about a man who sort of does sell himself to yeah. the devil. Yeah. To a degree, which is the the four senior executives and eventually the fifth senior executive above him. And he eventually has to, to break free from that. But it is a film about selling yourself and about the repercussions that you can't necessarily contemplate once you take a small step. You know, it was a small... You know, he described... Jack Lemmon's character describes it that it was a small step. It was, oh, I was going to a function this night and my friend had a gala on and he wanted to bring home, home a colleague. Just to get changed. Just like, to get changed. Yeah, and then yeah. it quickly snowballed from there. And I suppose it's, it's a bit of an example. And it's a bit of an example about for everyone, not just... You know, we don't always have contracts with the devil fall fall across our desk, but it is a example for everyone that there is there is always the possible well, in every circumstance that you sacrifice your morality and sacrifice your yourself that there's a risk that it can be taken advantage of and that you may not necessarily be able to come out of it, especially when you're dealing with people who are in a superior position to you, such as the executives in this film, or obviously the uh, the beast itself in, in Rosemary's Baby, as, as the example that we've previously seen. Yeah, I feel like there's a, there's a bit of like a mirror image reflection between Jack Lemmon's character and um, Miss Kubrick in that they um, they both submit themselves to these relationships they're not particularly happy with and they're not very not particularly they don't enjoy it in any in a, any aspect but they 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 derive some sort of benefit from and they're trying to perceive that benefit as like worthwhile in the context of the, in, in in the scheme of, of of what they're engaged in yeah i suppose it sort of speaks to the um the 19 19- is this set in the sixties, like when, around Contemporaneous when it's when I it's think made, it's, or a little yeah, bit earlier? Yeah, I think it, no, I think it's like like late fifties. Yeah, like I think I suppose fifties yeah. speaks to the the gendered goals of, of people in this perspective. Whereas his goal is definitely to obviously to find a wife, you know, sort. But that's almost secondary to his goal of wanting to advance in the company. Yeah, and her goal is very much wanting to find a man and 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 to to marry down. And he's he's at the point where he's so disillusioned with like the idea of finding a partner. He's just like, I need to like be successful in my career, and this seems to be the the the, the pathway by which it's easiest. That well, like, yeah, he's now going to you know? exactly. You see, like his peers, or not necessarily his peers, but his superiors that he would align himself with, and he sees that oh, you know, once I am a, a you know top dog with the desk on the twenty seventh floor. I'll have not only the you know the ability to find a wife and to find a family, but I'll also have all these other options. And he's almost selling himself a bit of a false lie there, in the sense of it's quite clear throughout the film that these relationships are not functional and are not uh, they don't really bring anyone positivity. I mean, we don't see the exact downfall of the two or three other executives, but we can only assume that you know the sort of story same the same stories play yeah, out then over time not, not not healthy ones not not successful not successful ones Stephen <clears throat> yeah i think um my first impression of the film was reinforced by the second viewing of the film there i think i've told this story previously on the pod but that was one of the films that was given to me by a friend of my parents who's really into film and after 
you know, watching a few different bundles of films that he had given me, um, he very much has a type of film that he likes and that film fits it to a T in the sense that it's just such a beautiful and like aesthetically pleasing film to watch. Um, you know, it's, it's kind of in the same, I'd put it in the same category as like Woody Allen's New York films in that it just has this real pleasant aesthetic to it. It's a combination of the cinematography, the music, the backdrop of New York, um, the different set pieces, whether it be the super crisp offices, his apartment, um, you know, scenes like where he, even when he's waiting outside, um, the play, uh, for his date to rock up that never comes. It's just from a viewing perspective, it's a super beautiful, cute film that has a real, um, pleasing aesthetic that you don't see in a lot of films today. There's not many films that come out in 2021 that have that type of aesthetic. So from that perspective, I just really like it in that it's just a very pleasing viewing experience. It's very minimalist in a way. Yeah. Um, both, I mean, definitely. obviously driven out of the, driven out of the necessity for, you know, the lack of sets and things like that. The film's very much like a, it's perceived like a play in a degree where we've discussed this before where, you know, you've got a handful of sets. So it's the front of his apartment. It's the, it's his floor of the office. It's the various offices within the building. It's the lobby of the building. And we cut between these scenes. There's no establishing shots of New York. Um, and it sort of, it sort of plays into the minimalist nature of the, the topic in the sense of the film, which is that it's very stripped back. It's about personal relationships. It's not about anything grander. But even the aesthetic, you know, of Woody Allen's films, he has the luxury and the option to have real vast New York cityscape type um, backdrops. And he chooses also not to do that and rather engage with the streetscape, more, you know, zoomed in shots of New York, which tend to be the more charming aspects of the city. Um, And also, I just think it's, I think it's an incredible lemon performance, mm-hmm. um, especially the way his character progresses. I think it was interesting before, kind of what you were talking about um, regarding Lemon's character's ambition. In that, to me, it seems the film is what drives the film forward is more him being the nice guy than it is necessarily him being ambitious. And I know you made that distinction, but it it seems that the the um, you know, the the treatment he gets in the company moving up the ranks quite quickly, that's kind of more a symptom of the overall cause that he just can't say no to these people. He has he has he has not said yes. I mean he has not said no once and now he can't. Yeah. And he'll you know, it's almost like it's his courage his lack of courage to be able to say no is getting him these promotions, which yeah. is actually That's hilarious right. in itself. <clears throat> the fact is, if he were to say no, it would cost him his job. So mm. at the end of the day, him acquiescing is, yes, he's also obviously a, you know, he's a bit of a pushover and he's a bit of a, um, a no, you know, doesn't, not non-conflict person. Mm. But at the end of the day, he is choosing that path to maintain his, Role and then he is simultaneously benefiting from that as well, mm. and he is doing things to to maintain that that benefit. He could have, 
there was a couple of points where, you know, where he could have potentially been a bit stricter and he would have stayed at his level 19 data processing job instead of moving up to, to level 27 or to 21, I think it was at the time. Oh, no, to, just to, you know, the, the manager the office, yeah. on his room, on his floor at first. Um, but he chose not to. He chose to facilitate. But I, I get what you mean. It, it's, it's the interplay between, you know... They have to make him seem incredibly nice and submissive in, able, in order to be able to contrast his character with the executives that come across as super cold-blooded, super harsh, and like just completely like almost like robots that just have this goal of obviously, you know, having sex with these women um, at the cost of their family, their reputation, and how anyone else in the office perceives them. And it, that's further contrasted by like Jack Lemmon's character doesn't even judge. No. Um, these other, he still treats them exactly as if he would have if this wasn't going on. Yeah. So they take every opportunity they can to really separate oh, the different characters. He's incredibly naive throughout the whole thing. What, what, um, what kind of pay bumps do we think he's getting? Like when he goes from the, you know, the clerk on the floor or whatever to the office. I think it's large. And the, the, of, the bump from the office to 27 said, has to be massive. He said at the start that he was like on like 97 dollars a week. Yeah. Or dollars a week. Here, now, here's the central floor of the film. When he was on the... On so the is he on like a grand by the time he's on level 27? Based on how many people are on that floor and he's one of the five officers at the front of it. Yeah. You'd have to say he's on the top. four to five times what he was on. Yeah. Yeah. As previous. And then he sure. gets to level 27. So yeah. what's he on then? I'm not sure if the difference there would be that Well, he's large, the 2IC, essentially. Yeah, that was the... Yeah, but he's always... I don't really know exactly what his role is. It was like the, the junior director or something. Or something yeah, like he was or called a director or something. Yeah, but I mean... Yeah. I think this this highlights the central, central flaw of the film in terms of its, you know, logical consistency. Is that surely these four blokes can get together and just... Hire and just rent an apartment yeah. for themselves. Yeah. Well, that's that like, was way more obvious to me and bothered me more on this viewing of the film. So, than or the even first time. Yeah, the first time I saw it, that just I was so immersed in the film that I didn't even care. But that second time watching it, I was like, just go to a hotel. Yeah. Or just especially or even, these broads are so aware of the fact that it's not your apartment. Yeah. They don't care between this and whether it's a hotel room. And just, or I mean, obviously you've got issues. Oh, you know, receipts on who paid for whatever. But it's like, surely if you're, yeah, you know, paying for taxis and paying for all these other things, that a few, you just know, another 20 dollars a week, you know, you split across the four gens. You're ninety is fifty. You hire a, another rent. You, you know, you hire another apartment. And if your ninety is fifty wife isn't realizing that you're coming home late on Christmas Eve because you're banging a girl, she doesn't realize that you're you're hiring a fucking apartment because yeah. you're banging these girls. Exactly. It's gonna be fine. So exactly. That's the, they absolutely could have. That's the logical not, not consistency. Been used his, or even if, they have to fall if, down. He, if he hired exactly. a different apartment in there on their behalf. Yeah, exactly. There were these Especially elements. once he got this, the first the first promotion. The first bump. At that point, you know, he could even be setting up two or three, you know, and then he could be having, you know, 10, 12 executives come through his place. You know, he's starting to get yeah, a little no, business going. I quit his, quit his regular job yeah. and just, <laughs> just run the whole yeah. house. No, but I, 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 do, I do agree, like, on the first watching, like, it didn't even cross my mind. This one, I wasn't... Yeah, I wasn't why concerned is, at why all. Why is he not just, you know, 
buying more space, renting more space. Especially if it's such an inconvenience to him. It's wet, it's yeah. cold, he's outside, yeah. he's, even he's just, getting colds. Even and... if it was just a tiny little apartment for him to sleep in yeah, while, yeah, yeah. while men are in his house. They use his <laughs> apartment, he has somewhere to sleep. Like, do we want to, do we want to touch on the, the elephant in the room, I suppose? Which one? Being the sort of... And I think it definitely... No, no, I I think... We can talk about that later, but... I think it definitely falls away in the second half and he gets a little bit more agency and he has... He, you know, he starts to fight back a little bit, but just the... The cuckoldness of the first... You know, the first half of the film that he would literally turf himself out onto the street, uh, stand in the cold and, and get a cold that debilitates him for, you know, for weeks... Um, merely for the opportunity of some advancement in the workplace. Like, that's all. Or it's it's not even that. It's, it's, it's not even that. He's, he's so weak. He is. He's, he, his he's character so is so deep, weak. But he's just too weak to say no. He's too weak. Yeah. There's no way that when he's sleeping on that park bench, he's thinking, "I'm going to get a bigger office from this." No. He's just like, he's like, "Fuck, what am I?" I'm done? a shell of a man. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Which is the whole point of the cuckolding in the first place. Yeah. Is the psychological benefit. Of being able to put yourself in a position and f- that makes you feel completely robbed of manhood. And unfortunately, I don't think really any of the three of us can speak to it. Here. Someone else in this room could, but unfortunately, they're not on the pot. Exactly. So, that we'll just have to leave that thought there, you know, sort of met- metastasizing, and, and we'll come back to it later. But. And yeah, maybe, maybe get back to us in the comments. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> For the Facebook page that we haven't set up yet. No, but I think, I think one of the key elements of the film is the gender dynamic. And it's worth discussing, especially considering when this film was made, in that, obviously, I think as a starting point, obviously these type of relationships and this type of power dynamic still exists today and is seen in you know, the industry that we work in today um, at almost every firm. I'm sure every firm, whether it's accounting, law, insurance, local real estate, whatever it is, this type of power dynamic exists, is still exploited, um, and it's still apparent. Everyone has a story of it today. But in not, there's something so so much more hopeless about how it appears in this film in that yeah. these women, they almost can't say no. It's too good of an opportunity to pass up, and they are kind of trapped in their career in that... You know, all I'll ever be is a secretary or an elevator operator, and there's no independence for them to be able to be, you know, the the type of independent, self-made woman that we've seen today in society. There's a so to me, it's it's impossible to analyze this film and not analyze the kind of gender constructs that these women are trapped in in 1959. I think I like to think that there's a bit less. of drastic circumstances, you know, to, to all people in today, especially women in today's um, office world. There's definitely a, a more of a lack of a social safety net in the 1950s and 60s in that there's no... Um, the lack of mobility between jobs is a lot less. You know, nowadays we have, you know, the average person goes through seven jobs a time. So if there is, you know, if you are a junior and you are being abused, like... It's not uncommon. You to, just to go shift somewhere else, yeah, exactly. And find a better fit for you, or there's even other alternatives outside your career. You know, there's uh, a completely well, different career, thousands of different yeah. careers. There's you know, OF and online work things. for yourself. Yeah, yeah, you know, be your own boss. You know, yes, queen and all that. Um, there's a lot. Berries. There's a lot of um, 
There's a lot of different alternatives for everyone. So women have a lot more agency and here they don't. Um, and I think that sort of, that highlights that she's almost the same as, you know, she she's has, she has the same sort of, I'll raise it at the top, but the same sort of concerns concerns Jack Lemon has is she sort of feels like she hasn't got another option and, and she's... Yeah, definitely. Drastic, taking drastic measures and um, tries to take the most drastic of measures eventually. And, um, but eventually finds finds happiness after finding agency for herself. You know, the both of them find agency for themselves at the end and they find happiness. And I think that's one of the things that these films keep coming back to is that, and it's something that, you know, our fourth guest wouldn't, wouldn't agree with, but you've got to make your life for yourself. And once you take those steps and you take action and it's not a handout, it's not given to you, it's not ordained upon you, it's the action of making a decision and, and, and taking agency that really frees you. Um, and I think that's a, it's a beautiful value that should be cherished. Yeah, I, I agree. I think she, she, like her character, definitely. Whether or not she believes it, or whether or not it is actually true, she, like, she's in love with the with the, the executive character, and it's just like, oh, this is this is the man that's for me and whatnot. But, um, her, like, whether or not she accepts that he has a family, that it's never going to be for her, that like kind of sardonic kind of. Um, Futility in her life is reflected in Jack Lemon's character, and that they're both they're both very much like a they're both very much just there's an element of futility in their life, I guess, really. And um, so after after her suicide attempt, and, and and there's there's the absolute like either this is the end of your life or there needs to be something different. They both kind of have this together reflection on their situations and get to a point where they, where they like, Jack Lemon thinks he's, like, believes he's in love with this, this girl or, and she's genuinely, like, I don't know, smitten with him or whatever. But That's the, that's the thing, like, is it almost just... That she, he's the first person that's actually shown her any sort of respect yeah. and she just sort of falls into it because, like, he's obviously spinning with her, you know, he's obviously had a big crush on her, mm. like, he's seen her in the, in the elevator and he's, he's looked up her profile and all these things. And she's obviously aware of him, you know, she says, you know, you're the only person who takes their hat off. Like, there is obviously this connection there. But then at the end of the day, the turning point is just, oh, he actually cared enough about me to quit his job. So I'm going to now just for him like and obviously this film sort of ends before we see that relationship grow but I, I mean obviously you know in the 50s and 60s it's going to be a relationship that works because they, yeah, yeah. they all did because that's what happened and but they're both, they're both just doing the question about really whether cards. does that from her perspective was that enough to you know to, to, to justify an entire life would have and the fact that it took that much for her to realise that yeah. is in itself quite problematic in that like she probably should have realised it after the sleeping pill four, OD four days trying to take care of yeah her like I mean it to, it was so obvious pr- before that and I suppose and, the other- but she still couldn't give up the like economic incentive and the safety net of what you know 
the executive had to offer. I suppose the other question is, but are, are any other are any are any other of us really subject to anything more than that at the end of the day? Like how, you know, as he says, you know, there's eight million people in New York or whatever, and the way that people line up, it's obviously not. There's no grand algorithm to it. Not every single relationship is a grand romance. So are we saying that? You know, is this more of just reality and that people sort of fall into these things and they make the most of it? Um, Isn't or, that what all relationships are? Well, that's the thing. Like, you know, you know, <laughs> what are, a coincidence. Are, are we've, we being, all found, we've all found our soulmate in Perth. That's crazy. <laughs> are we being naive, you know, thinking that, oh, this isn't the most romantic relationship in the world. This seems a bit, this seems a bit practical, seems a bit, um, you know, lacking romance. You know, oh yeah, you know, you found your love of your life at this building and, you know, she was previously sleeping with your boss and rah, rah. Mm. Or are we just a bit, you know, over romanticized about, about what the actual boundaries of two people practically meeting and, 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 and forming a relationship is. Which is a grim thought, but yeah, gotcha. you haven't got much to add to that. So are, you, are you saying it's purely the haircut? It's just like this girl is different to the other elevator girls, so now I'm going to try and bang her. <laughs> no, I'm just saying that you know, like it, it doesn't, it doesn't bear itself out as the most, as the most, you know, it's not a Greek, it's not a Greek poetry romance it's a no it's a it's a much day, more modern yeah it's yeah. a modern day form yeah, practice absolutely but, but are there really any in reality should we expect anything more yeah I guess we're two characters that are so profoundly um, in like I guess consume, consumed with their like misery that like it becomes a you you and I are the best thing in each other's life. By yeah. The, by the end of it, you're right. The, the point about misery is, is is pertinent. I think that through that whole second act of the film, that misery is embodied in Lemon's illness. You know, he's subject to you know just he had to stand out in the rain and. Mm. He got this cold, and that's really an embodiment of the misery that he's going through. Mm-hmm. And for her, it's that it's that broken, uh, the broken mirror, and the reflection of, of the, well, her broken reflection. Even him just saying, like, absolutely owning up to all the horror, like the oh, I mistreated this girl, and like the brothers, like the cousin, the brother-in-law's now hitting me, and the doctor, th- the doctor's wife thinks I'm a piece of shit. He's just accepting all these things. He's just like. The futility of my life, mm. and even in that grim perspective, the idea is that I ha- I'm someone significant to this girl that I kind of like. He's just like okay with it. It's just like a very like futile kind of perspective on the whole, the whole mm. idea of, of of a relationship. Like, yeah, I mean the film's a real futile take on monogamy as well, in the sense that. Every relationship is flawed. Every yeah. relationship is flawed. And, Besides doctors. And they think that... Besides Jewish relationships. You know, um, what's her name? The, the female in it? Miss... Kyrillic? Kyrillic. No, that's not it. It's like, it's Kyrillic. Yeah, Yeah, okay. Yeah. She thinks... She So she's aware that he's married, but she thinks he will potentially leave her... 
uh, his wife for her. She then finds out at the Christmas party that he has run this routine several times with other women in the office, even promised the same thing and that it's never happened. And it's this constant cycle of like women wanting to feel special and even the woman that he officially on paper is with, even though she may feel special, in reality that's not actually the case. And it's, As he says... And that's kind of the vulnerability of being in a relationship in a lot of ways. He says, you know, oh, I've just probably come out of my marriage. I want to, you know, spend my time as a bachelor. Like, yeah, even, yeah, yeah, yeah. Even when he's coming out of his marriage, ostensibly he's told her that it's, you know, to be with her. She can't even get him to commit in, in those moments. And I think, yeah, you're right, that it's a criticism... Not a criticism of monogamy, because I don't think it... Well, it's an exploration of the complexities yeah, of relationships. It and It doesn't say that monogamy is bad, but it just says that... But it, it's not as common as we think, or it's not as uh, I suppose people. It's are not honest. as it appears especially, in the movies, especially yeah. in a time where there weren't that many consequences for adultery in like the professional. Not culture. for men, anyway. Absolutely not. Yeah. Um, and actually, like uh, Billy Wilder. That's why it was kind of surprising when they take that take that like the wife just leaves him after that lunch. Mm. I'm like. Is she from a really wealthy family or something? I'm like, because yeah. I assume that divorce proceedings back then, she's not going to get half. She's going to get like, you know, probably like a monthly payment of like 1% of his salary or something. But like, that's enough for her to like give up the mansion that we saw him, that he lives in on Christmas and nice like house. take the kids and like, that's it. Like, surely she would just sweep it under the rug and be like, oh, you know. Yeah. Sad to get the kids. <sighs> yeah. Yeah, so, um... Hopefully this recording <laughs> captures all Zan's burps, eh? <laughs> the, the idea of the, um, of the script apparently uh, came to Billy Wilder through, like, a 1940s script where a very similar plot happened with the old, um, meeting at someone's apartment type of situation but didn't have much of the adultery and, and it wasn't available to him because in the 1940s a movie about adultery wasn't available. Was yeah. like, we're not having any any part of that. So twenty years, twenty odd years later, it was, and he he had this this um this movie made, which had had its whole slew of you know controversies, and apparently he was accosted in the street by you know married women who hit him with handbags and were telling him like, how would you make such a like perverted, dirty movie? You know. Yeah, right. Yeah. Well, it's, oh, exactly. It wouldn't be the same today. Uh, you know, if you if you make the same film today, what would it be? You know, the, the entire uh, movie is based on adultery. About like you know, you know you'd be me up to you know people would be using the apartment to not commit adultery. It's that kind. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, so can I use your apartment to sleep with my wife? <laughs> Um, do we want to discuss the do we want to discuss any of the tertiary characters in the film any of the the doctor or the it's really there's really it was a very short list of characters the doctor that guy's acting is awesome he was phenomenal but I'm not I'm not sure if there's more to his role no than like the comedic aspects, which obviously yeah. this film is sold as like a comedy. Was it really? Yeah. Yeah. It's a rom com. Yeah. Oh right. What's yeah. the comedy elements? Him slapping her around. <laughs> yeah. Well, that, well, I wanted to get to that actually. <laughs> it's like there was some like you know academic literature in the canon of film about like 
why slapping the shit out of women was like such a thing, <laughs> especially in these contexts of like, yeah, well, I want it's a pre nineteen eighty thing, that's for sure. You don't really see it after nineteen eighty. It's yeah. a seventy. Well, it's 60, like airplane, 50s. right? They have it. Where's the yeah? The, 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 there's the scene in airplane. Well, they they make fun of it in later movies. Like slapping yeah. the shit out. Yeah, of yeah, yeah, yeah. And like Monty Python and stuff make fun of it too. Like slap out of it, man, and they smack the shit out of someone. It's like a thing that never happens in real life, but it's somehow like such a prominent role. In film, like, and even like his slaps in that seemed completely unnecessary. It, there's some massive slaps in Chinatown as yeah, well. Yeah, yeah. When she, those ones aren't funny. When she, those. yeah, when she tells him like what's going on or whatever, and he just like smacks the shit out of there, and like the the smacks never make sense. Yeah. Okay. No, I mean like there. Are, I didn't really find it that funny to be honest. Really? There, like, I thought there were elements to movie that movie that are funny. I mean, I how about like, this? The film only made twenty five million, but it was the eighth highest grossing film of the year. I mean, like twenty five million in nineteen. Yeah, well, that's what that's what, is like quite significant. What is ninety dollars? You know, can someone get through the maths? What's ninety dollars in nineteen sixty versus now? What is that like? A grand a week? Two grand a week? What's yeah, that? like no, um, like I can't remember. What, yeah, see, its budget was three million, but it made twenty five. Yeah, you know, so like it was. That film's filming at least for fifty million these days. Yeah. I mean, th- I mean, in terms of set and stuff, it probably only cost thirty million to make. But in terms of how, what actors you get, and then this brings me to the conversation that I've been wanting to have the whole time. Jack Lemmon. Yeah. Now, just as a little bit more one. background context before we go into Jack Lemmon, because this is this is related. Please do. Wikipedia says that this film is regarded as one of the greatest films ever made, mm-hmm. and is one of the first twenty-five films, and is still ranked in the top twenty-five films. For inclusion in the United States Library of Congress National Film Registry. Yep. Um, so, uh, that's so a bit four of Jack Lemmon's other films, but it's, like, it's fine. Yeah. So, on the <laughs> last pod, mm-hmm. the point was raised that Jack Lemmon was a top five actor all time. Yeah. Now, I'm going to admit my, my bias early in the film. That's not exactly what happened. What happened was. I think that was what was No, what happened was is that I said. He's considered one of the greatest actors of all time. I think the word top five was thrown around. Yeah, no, we'll get there. And then the pushback on that comment was so aggressive <laughs> that I had to say something outlandish. Like I would put him in my top five. And I even went as far to put that top five in the walkthrough chat, which Dan then concurred with. Because I think, I think you've missed... Look. And obviously no, you've done a lot of research when, whilst my comment was off the cuff. So he, so and, I, is- and I maintain that he is one of the best actors of all time. So, yeah, now, as I'll say, I'll, I'll admit my bias in that I've only seen Lemon in this and last week's film with Gary Glenn Ross. But I think it is hard to put this man, and considering this is one of his, his best performances or better performances, and Glenn Gary Glenn Ross is also an excellent performance, I don't know how you can put his history and his full body walk above Bogart, De Niro, Pacino. Um, and of course, number one. Ah, uh, fuck! What's his name? Um, Godfather. Part there you one. go. He's thirteenth on IMDb's top actors of all time. Yeah, thirteenth. So not yeah. top five. Okay, but let's, just let's just to act like to act like top five, which was a comment See, made Brand, in haste, Brando, which was a comment made in haste, and then he's thirteenth. And Daniel Day Lewis. Fuck yeah, you. Exactly. I'd have Daniel Day Lewis top five. So that's my five there. Jack Nicholson, 
I don't have Jack Nicholson. That got him number one. Jack Nicholson's a great actor. He's a great actor. But, I mean, he's got... He's a great actor. And he's I don't think Jack Nicholson's in the same, same conversation as Jenny J. Lewis, Brando, Pacino. De Niro. So they have Dustin Hoffman, Tom Hanks, Anthony Hopkins, Paul Newman above. Uh, yeah, so he wouldn't have any of those above. And, and I think Al Pacino. Washington above. I think Al Pacino is the best actor ever. I would have. I think yeah, he would be number one. Yeah, yeah, that's fair enough. And I think Daniel Day Lewis would be second. But I mean, like. Even, Lawrence Olivier, I'd have him. But even like IMDb having him at 13, where there's a question of like. Supports my chair. Is that great? Yeah, it's you don't like, know what you're talking about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hoffman, I haven't seen enough of Hoffman, but he does have a pretty. Hoffman, Hoffman's like in his peak he was pretty Ho- good Hoffman's like top 10 pop culture actor of all time mm. but I don't know if he has he has a lot of like big mainstream commercial dramas and stuff but I'm not sure that he's like I'm not sure there's a Hoffman performance I could point to that is on the same level as like a lot of Pacino DiCaprio Jamie Day Lewis performances I agree Robert De Niro I think it's just it's in that and Robert De Niro would probably be forgotten because he's done so much trash in the last 15 years but he sounds so much good. But world, the, his best films are amazing. Yeah. So, I, oh, I think we've cleared it up. So he's not top five, but he's it's close. He's around the mark. Yeah. He's, but so he's good. arguably top five. No, he's not arguably. No. Top no, top no I think there'd be plenty of argument. I think. So I think. Saying, I think. Put this way. Put this way. Put this way. I don't understand your point. Yeah. Your point. Five. Your point's stupid. Brando, your point's stupid. Bogart. Yeah. That's your list. That's your subjective list. And that's fine. No, 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 no. I want to hear his. his but what he's saying is, and then I think you've got. You're just naming actors you think are better. Yeah, that's fine. Yeah, that's that's the same exercise I did. I think there would be thousands of critics out there that know way more about film than three people sitting at this table that would have Lemon in their top five. I think on average he's the outside. That's fine. (laughs) That's fine. Okay. Let's put it out there. That's fine. Yeah, yeah. I actually don't think Lemon would be in my top five, but I had to push back so aggressively because when I said he was one of the greatest actors of all time, it was completely dismissed. And I think it was laughed at. (laughs) And the fact that he's 13th shows that there is no comedy in that and no comedy in the apartment. Fair enough. Fair enough. So, but like, okay, just um, <laughs> just on his performance in this in Glen Gary and Ross, what are your what are your thoughts on him as an actor from those performances? I I wasn't enamoured by his performance in this. I mean, really? it was good, really. It was good, but it's not like it's it's not like it's really. Who do you think is Brando in Apocalypse Now? What Pacino in Godfather? What modern actor do you reckon could have done this role? This role? Yeah. Uh, Paul Giamatti Take your time Yeah, Giamatti could have Yeah Someone who can do the rom-com stuff But the heavy dialogue stuff The problem with this role now Is that it does have a certain vulnerability That that you have That a lot of actors don't have And because of how many Hollywood actors Are cuckolded these days But also like Someone like a Um like a naive Rockwell, uh, Sam Rockwell, someone like that. I mean, I don't think he'd give the exact same performance, but he can. But they need to be younger sort of... than that, though. What? They need to be younger than that, though. Than Rockwell? Yeah. Well, I don't know. This guy doesn't look that young in this. How old is he? How old is he when he plays this guy? I, I mean, obviously, he's... I thought he was quite young. The hairline's dog shit. Yeah, it's pretty yeah, bad. Yeah, that's you know, <laughs> <laughs> that's just uh, <laughs> that can mean anything. <laughs> <laughs> I think Paul Giamatti could do this role. Yeah, agreed. And do it well. He's born uh, twenty five. Yeah, so that's what thirty five. Fair enough. 
Yeah. yeah. I was going to say, I don't think he's that young in this. No. But, yeah, look, uh, yeah. I like the performance. I think his performance in Glengarry Glengarry was better than this, personally. But then also, that's, that's built on the fact that his performance is sort of... It, because of the cuckold aspect of it is quite icky, you know. It's like it's like you don't want to sort of identify with it because you kind of like oh, he's such a babe. But he still makes. I it think though, any right? of the, I think any of the big actors that can do the rom coms that are like actually decent films could do that role. They couldn't do it as good as him. Um, and I think he was perfectly cast for that role. I think he was perfectly. But cast. I think there would be. I think there would be actors that could do that role today. Obviously, if you modernised the film a little bit, the idea of that character being, you know, a guy that rents his apartment out to people, yeah, it, it could definitely be done. Think Leo could do it? No. He couldn't do the naive aspect of it. But what about, like, no, say, for think, example, I don't thinking, think Leo could do I'm it. thinking, like, first 20 minutes of Wolf of Wall Street. You know how he kind of is, like, pre-Stratton Oakmont? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He sort no, of has that bit. I think no, so. Cause, like, I mean, he does that for a whole film. But, like, the, there's, no. a, there's a, like, a... It's not just the naivety. It's this character is so much more than that. Yeah, it's it's there's there's an element that's just like it, desperate and like want like wants so much to be accepted by that executive, you know, group that it's just, yeah. it's it's you know he tr- he's he's going to accept anything that is thrust upon him, no matter how much he dislikes it's, it. It's interesting that, it, it, that when we have so many more, <laughs> I think Sasha Baron Cohen could do that role. Oh yeah, I mean, what role couldn't he do though? It's interesting that we, when we have so many more cuckolds today that there's actually less people that we can identify as being able to form that. You think there's less cuckolds today? I think there's more. As yeah, I think there's way more so, cuckolds but, today. It's strange that we can't so identify So which cuckold actor do you think could... Yeah. Oh, if you want to name a cuckold that I know personally that could do the role, <laughs> that's completely different. I could name... We hey. said a couple during the movie. <laughs> <sighs> Yeah. Do you want to do, do ratings? Yeah. Anything else to say? And then we can maybe talk about what the next round of the film club will be. We're doing Dan's idea? Definitely not. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, we heard that Dan's rating for this movie was a nine flat. Um, That's a strong you, rating. Yeah. Do you, want, do you want to go next or do you want... I just want to say how, how I'm really... I, I take so much value from that knowledge that our former colleague gave it that rating. It's, yeah. it's really changed my life that I know that, well, I, I that would, he's been able to contribute a single numerical value. I would, <laughs> I would, I would like to know why like, and what informed the value of, of that. Um, I would love to know those things. Number. I really would. I mean, the cuckold fact has got to be. <laughs> and that's the true tragedy. Being able to portray someone. And that's the true tragedy of, of, of yeah. these circumstances. Of censorship, yeah. really. <laughs> So, <laughs> so, so, okay, so I'll go first in terms of rating, Please. and we'll move on from there. So, I enjoyed the film, but I must say I didn't, I didn't give it the same weight of, you know, the, of, of the way it's, it has formed itself in literature and the way that we discussed it prior to watching it in terms of one of these seminal, um, Seminal tomes of, of film history. Um, I don't think it's up there for me personally with some of my favourite films of all time. But I did enjoy it for what it was. I thought it um, told the story very well and portrayed the, the tragedy of a man who 
um, is sort of stuck in a cycle of decision making that you can't get out of, and then he eventually finds that agency and does get out of it. And I'm personally going to give it um, an eight point five. You go, then. He jumped in on the uh, first impression second, mate. So he did the writing second. Fair enough. Um, yeah, it's so like throughout it, I, I very much enjoyed what was happening and enjoyed the story. And and I think I thought I was going to give it a higher ranking than I might end up actually doing. But I agree with what you said that in terms of in the context of some of the movies we've watched and some of the movies since and the story's been told while it's like really good and and, and, and every every like the acting's really good, the directing's really good, the cinematography's really good, the music tone, the, 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 the score on it, really good. Um, I think there are other movies that do that 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 affect the viewer more significantly than this movie. So I think while I originally I was in nine nine point five area, I think I agree with the eight point five on this one. Yeah, look, I don't think I can understate how beautiful a film that is, mm-hmm. um, and the aesthetic of it is super super nice. And it's the kind of film you put on on a winter's day when it's pissing down with rain, and you would get totally lost in it. And to be honest, I think sometimes, especially when we've had a few drinks or whatever. And we're like commenting throughout the film on the dialogue of the film or whatever's happening in the film and making jokes. It does kind of break the spell of a film like that. Yeah. In as regards the aesthetic and the like, you know, the the uh, the rabbit hole that you can fall down with a film that that beautiful. Um, to me, I have that film, like I said earlier, in the same category as some of Woody Allen's films. Um, and to me, just that aesthetic alone gives it a high rating. I think the performance of Lemon is fantastic as well. And I think that even though some aspects of the film are dated, it holds up really, really well um, for a film that's made in 1960. And I think an 8 point... I agree with the two gentlemen at the table that I think an 8.5 is very dead-on rating for that that's film. That's good. Yeah, interesting. I think someone who made it, gave it slightly higher rating might have just, you know, might have reconciled a bit with the... The, the certain aspects of the film a little bit more than us. But I would have liked to know enjoyed it so much. why they thought of that, though. I would have really liked yeah. to have heard those views. So I think next round, we're going to... I think the consensus is we're going to go back to another standard round. So... Yeah. And then we'll have a theme round after that. So we'll... And we can discuss and come to an agreement on what that theme's going to be. Are we starting with you? Or... We'll start with me, yeah. yeah. I haven't picked a film yet, but right. I'll, um, I'll have a think about it and um, come back for the, for the next round. Maybe a, a a Hoffman film. Oh, maybe. Could be fun. Yes. Have you ever seen The Graduate? Love The Graduate.